How you guys doing? Thank you. Thank you for coming out and hanging out with us. Um, so um, I'm Justin Bishop. I am a uh, professional skateboarder. Uh, I love saying that. Uh, I never thought I'd be able to say that, but I get to, so I say it as much as I can. Um, I get to skate for companies uh, such as uh, Nike, SB, uh, Element Skateboards, Zappos, Nixon, and a couple others. Um, in 2021, I was the Mountain Dew Tour uh, silver medalist for Adaptive Park. And um, also 2021, I was the gold medalist for the season finals of Adaptive Bowl in skateboarding. Um, one thing like, I wanted to come out and talk about, usually when I talk to people uh, about uh, you know, my skateboarding or my life, it's usually I'm talking to sighted people. So telling my story is usually good enough, but this is actually the first time that I'm talking to other people that are visually impaired like me. So I always felt like if I come out here and just be like, you know, the same notes aren't going to hit the same when I'm like, oh, I lost my driver's license. There's going to be six people out there like, ditto, bro, move on. So it's not going to hit the same. So um, I thought I would like talk about today uh, how um, skateboarding, my sport, and hopefully the sports you guys are into, uh, taught me how to fail and how to love failure and how failure is one of the most important things of my life. I actually achieved all those goals I told you about because I am a failure, and I'm so proud of it. Um, a little bit background about me is uh, when I was eight years old, I was diagnosed with uh, retinitis, uh, retinitis pigmentosa. And, um, but the doctors, you know, back in the early 90s, they were just like, don't worry about it. It's not going to affect you until you're, like, you're 50 or 60. And we're like, cool, we won't. So we didn't care about it at all. I was going to live my life like a normal kid. So uh, my life went on. Uh, when I was 10, I discovered skateboarding. I saw a teenager, Ollie, and I just remember being mesmerized by it. If you don't know what an Ollie is, it's where you manipulate physics and you get a board off the ground without grabbing it with your hands. It's one of the most magical things in the sport. It's the first thing everyone learns, and it's just... Oh, man, when you see it, you're just hooked, and you're just like, how did that happen? So I saw that, and I just wanted, I knew that's what I wanted to learn. I wanted that so bad. So that, like that week, I traded Pokemon cards, um, Nintendo game cartridges, just to get a complete skateboard. And I did. And I remember the, the first two months of skateboarding when I was 10 was just two months of failure. It was five hours a day slamming, you know, breakneck speeds at, like, you know, 10 years old into a sidewalk trying to be like, how did he get this board off the ground without grabbing it? And uh, learning, having that learning curve in skateboarding that takes so long, right off the bat, every skater has to learn to love failure. Every skater right off the bat has to learn that you fall in love with, you know, not landing the trick for months. And I did. And um, realizing I could have that skill, once it was like the best feeling ever because once I learned how to ollie and I had it down, it got boring because I could do it. So I was like ready. I was like, what can I fail at next? And the next tricks to fail at was kickflip. And I was like, all right, let's do that. And that took three months. And it was kind of like that my whole uh, childhood. And so... Um, 
I was, I was skateboarding every day when I was in high school, going to the skate competition, starting to get um, local sponsors and uh, things like that. And it was going great, but when I was 20, I uh, veered into a wall that I did not see at all. Like, um, this eye was like, no, you're good, wall. And this eye was like, bro, wall. And so I was like, oh, man. And so I knew right off the bat, like, life was going to change instantly, and whatever that doctor said was wrong. So we went to a retinal specialist this time, and he was like, yeah, you're going to lose your license. Um, you're legally blind. You should get genetically tested so maybe we can understand why your vision's going this way. And I was. Um, I always suggest always go get genetically tested. It might give you more clues on like a better timeline. Um, I got diagnosed with the RPGR mutation. Um, I was losing my vision from the center out and having these gigantic blind spots. So I knew from there that I didn't have much time left with skateboarding. So from 20 to 25, it was just a mad dash of doing everything I could on a skateboard. And at that time, I actually bonded with skateboarding in a different way. It wasn't just a sport anymore. It was my outlet. It was my transportation. It was my everything. I spent, you know, 12 hours on a skateboard every day getting to my job, getting to um, then actually going skating after work and just doing everything I could. And I knew it was going to go, and it started going when I was 25. Um, it, it got down to just the vaguest shadows. And I knew it was going to happen, and one week, the shadows started going, and it just started becoming all gray. And I remember, like, I was in such denial that I was like, all right, I'm going to go skate one last time. I'm going to go say my farewells to skateboarding because I can't do this anymore. And I remember getting like uh, dropped off at the skate park because I couldn't make it to the park anymore and just getting there and not knowing where I was. You know, my, my dad already left and I just like, and I just silently cried because I didn't get to say goodbye on my terms. And it was just, it was everything. It was losing the thing that made me, me. I lost my identity. So at that time, I uh, went into depression, um, and this is where failure's okay, because, you know, I, I never want to convey, like, I kept skating, I kept going through it. No, I had to fail. Let yourself fail, because in that time, like, two months, I didn't leave my room. I was drinking every night. I was in such denial. I was taking sleeping pills because I could still see in my dreams, and so I was, like, doing that so I can see as much as possible. And I needed my support group, which is so important when you're going through sight loss. So always keep those people close, but they know how to treat you and how to react to you. And what I needed was tough love. And my dad was that support for me. He came in after two months of just that. And he said something that like woke me up. He was like, you're not the first person to go blind. So stop acting like you are. And I remember that was just so powerful to me. And I was like, you're right. Like, there's other people living life. I got to go. And so that's, but I didn't hate myself for those two months because I was so comfortable with failure that failures happen even in those dark times. So I was like, all right, that was my failure. And I'm going to get back up and learn how to do everything else. So after that, I just filled my life with learning everything on how to be blind. It was eight months of 
uh, orientation, mobility training, uh, technology training, uh, braille, voiceover, dictation, uh, bus systems, because I delayed all of that for so long. I delayed everything because I had cane shame. I was embarrassed. I just, I, I didn't want to be blind yet because I knew it would take away my skateboarding. So the next step, after I had all those things down, I knew the next thing I wanted to fail at, fail at was join society again, get a job, be part of um, every, what everyone else does. And so even that was failure that... I was already getting used to through skateboarding. You know, these, these times where I would go on an interview and they would see my cane and I'd just hear the whole topic, their, their voice inflation just drop. I wouldn't let that get to me. I'd be like, well, failed this one. Let's go to another one. And after failing enough, I actually got success at um, a company that was willing to work with me. And I'm so glad I failed at all these other ones because this company actually was willing to fail with me. And what that was was something that at the time I would never trust me with. But um, I was in, they wanted me to become an ABA therapist to teach kids on the spectrum how to skateboard. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I was like, are you sure? And they were like, yeah. I was like, all right. <laughs> Um, so, and I, I fell in love with that job. It was, it was, it was amazing because these kids on the spectrum um, with, uh, you know, mental disabilities, they wanted to learn how to skateboard. And when I was teaching them, they would just fall and get back up. And it re-energized my love for this sport in a sport I haven't been on in four years. So um, a little story why I returned was, one of the children I was working with, he was advancing so fast that the next thing he was supposed to learn was how to drop in on a half pipe. And the way you do that is you teach by example. And so I was like, oh, man, I got to do this. And my coworkers, they were like, um, you have to do it, Justin. It's, it's, it's your kid. You got this. And so they gave me the skills to fail. And I was like, all right. All right. So I was on top of the half pipe getting ready to drop in for the first time in four years. And I dropped in, and I did it. And all these emotions came back to me of love of this sport. I'm so happy, the adrenaline rush. And then I went up to the other side of the half pipe and hung up and fall three feet to the ground, just hit it hard. And I'm just laying there, like, smiling with happy tears going down my face because in that moment, I realized I missed falling. It was four years since I took a fall or a slam that was on my terms. Every other fall was me stumbling downstairs and me walking into an open door. That wasn't my terms. And so I missed being reckless on my time. And so, like, I, like in that moment, I realized I'm never, ever going to give this up again. I loved every aspect about this sport and especially the failures in it. And in that moment, I, I also looked back and was like, Skateboarding got me through my orientation training, my mobility training. When I would accidentally bleach colored clothes and ruin a whole load of laundry, I had skateboarding like, well, you failed. We'll try again next time. And having that ability and having skateboarding teach me that was so powerful to me. So when I returned to skateboarding and had this, that day after I took that slam, I bought a skateboard again. But... I was so afraid that somebody would tell me I can't skateboard that I didn't want to do it in front of anybody. 
So I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. So I would practice in my garage with the garage closed in the middle of summer. So it's 125 just because I didn't want anyone to tell me, no, you can't do that. I didn't want anyone to take it away from me again. And after like, you know, a month and a half of that and it getting too hot and me going out to a skate park for the first time, no one said anything. No one said no. If anything, I felt more normal again because when you fall at a skate park, no one rushes over and like make sure like you're okay or anything like that. They just they just go, "You good?" And you say, "Yeah." And like it they treat you normal. And it was in that moment that I realized I'm like, I told myself no. No one told me no. I did that to myself. And after I got past that hurdle of I was my own worst enemy, um, everything else started to happen. I started getting like a little bit braver and I wanted to, wanting to show skateboarding um, to different kids that were going through sight loss. Because if I had skateboarding during those dark times when I didn't think I could, I wouldn't have lost my identity. And losing my identity was what made me hit rock bottom. So knowing that you can keep whatever you want, find the ways you adapt to it, fall in love with the failure. Because when you're failing, you're doing. So many people are afraid to fail. That blows my mind. It's, it's pretty much saying so many people are afraid to learn. When you get comfortable with failure and getting back up and going again and falling in love with that, you don't care like, you know, if you win a competition. You don't care if like, what deals come or what deals don't because you have the sport you love forever. And that's the main message I want to get across is fall in love. Like, remember why you fell in love with the sport you have. It's never, ever, you never get into, you know, any sport at, you know, a young age or any time in life thinking like, oh, I'm going to get a gold medal. I'm going to be the best at this. You get into it because you love having fun doing it. You love learning it. And so, um, yeah, I just, I I would love to uh, spend that with you. And then pretty much to end it is, to end on um, something like happier. Anything like that is, um, I had a really good joke and, oh, here, you know, you know what? I don't even remember the joke. I don't remember the joke. I'm failing right now and that's cool. I'm okay with it. I'll, I'll try again next time. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys. Thank you so much, Justin and Becca. So we're going to spend the next 20 minutes taking questions from the audience. We have mic runners, so uh, we are recording this session. So please wait until the microphone runner reaches you so that you may ask your question into the microphone. Um, And to ensure we get as many people as possible, please limit yourself to one question when it is your turn. So... Um, hi, my name is Marina. It was really great hearing um, both of your, your talks. And I was a swimmer myself in high school and college, but due to a shoulder injury, I can't swim competitively anymore. Um, but my question is, I'm also an equestrian. So paradressage has become more like recognized and well-known. Um, there's been paradressage in the Olympics. Um, but I'm wondering, it's hard, like, 
maintaining the the supportive relationships with your friends and family um, is definitely critical, but also to being able to develop that supportive community within your sport. Um, also, especially like with trainers, um, has been a little bit more difficult. So I'm just wondering what advice you might have about that, or um, you know, when it when it came time to y'all getting your sponsorships, um, what really helped you in terms of making your way through and advancing in your sports? Um, because accepting failure and you know keeping those positive thoughts to push yourself forward is one thing but it's it can be tough when trainers themselves are doubtful we have That, that's a really good question. I mean, for for me personally, if I didn't have the support I needed, I would move on. I would find someone that was willing to listen to me and work with me because that is key in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to add. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, I, I, I can't add too much on the front side. All my friends are skaters, so all we do is skate. Uh, so it's, it's uh, just part of my life. But for the sponsorship thing... Um, if you're wanting one or you're expecting one, just don't. They happen randomly. They happen when you're not expecting them. Um, just love your sport, uh, you know, and that's the real thing about it is I would have never expected anything I got. But, um, I, because, but if I was expecting it, I would always be wondering when it would happen. So just have fun with what you do and, you know, love the sport. Thanks. Okay, just one question, and we'll come back for number two later. Um, so first for Justin, can you explain to me the physics of how you're perceiving, uh, you know, the terrain? Yeah, so um, when to get on uh, the level I am on with skateboarding, when I returned to skateboarding, my balance was horrible. So I would actually practice with a balance board every day at home uh, just to kind of get different cues uh, for my balance. And then what's happening with the terrain is I'm using a rolling ball tip and uh, the constant contact method. Um, I use it lateral, though, so it's off to my side in front of me. Um, so I'm using that uh, to know the exact terrain in front of me. And then I'm also using beeper boxes that give me it's, – it's not like echolocation. I don't know how to do that. But it gives me like a good like two-foot radius to aim for or to judge. And then, of course, every, I walk everything before I go out. I, I, I can't just get on a board and go. I have to walk what I'm doing first and kind of plan it out. Okay, that was actually basically my question, too, because I assume this is you, Justin, on the cover of the yeah, yeah. other brochure? Yeah. Okay, and so I was going to ask you about the cane in your hand while you were skateboarding. That didn't look too safe, but <laughs> I, I guess it makes it safe. Yeah, yeah, no, they have the cane. I, I, I need the cane, um, and it's actually adapted the way I use my cane as well in my everyday life. Um, 
when I got into skateboarding, uh, I had my cane at uh, my neck level, uh, but that was too long, and I had too much reaction time when my cane would hit coping or um, find a ledge. So I actually had to start using a shorter cane so I have a faster reaction time um, to my sport, and now I can't even walk around without a shorter cane because I need that fast reaction time. Just... Just, Justin, you said yep. you're eight months. So yep. I'm new at this, and those eight months are where my sons are. So where do we go for that? For the eight months that you finally realized it and you're ready to start, but you waited too late. And uh, so you're, 20, so you're 26, mm -hmm. and you're an expert at at acting like you can see. Yeah. When when the experts see you, they go, oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so where do they start? Um, so I was lucky enough. I'm from Las Vegas. Uh, there's a foundation out there called the Children's Blind Foundation. And um, I already had a connection with them. Uh, uh, before I lost my sight, I would volunteer and stuff. So when I actually lost my sight, I had, like, uh, counselors uh, with them, and they would work with me one-on-one. -on -one. So uh, that's actually uh, how I got to, like, so much in eight months. Yeah, and then, I mean, a lot of it is, like, when you do it enough, then you get the confidence. But I was not always confident like this. It, it took a long uh, – the confidence came later. But that the eight months, like, I needed it right away. So um, if, if I suggest anything, get on it as soon as possible. I made the mistake of holding it off, but, you know, everyone's different. But, yeah, don't do what I did. So where would you recommend people go? My, one son's in D.C., one's in Mississippi. Where do they go? I, they're ready for that help, and they've admitted it, but now yeah. I don't know where to go. I have no idea just because I, I, I just work with uh, my local stuff, but I would definitely like maybe reach out to someone at the foundation fighting blindness, and maybe they can direct you um, to an exact um, facility or where at in D.C. But, yeah, I'm from Vegas, so I just know the um, support system from there. Yep. Oh, perfect. Uh, I have. A, oh. oh, sorry. Um, so, if you need support with adaptive sports anywhere in the country, there's an organization called Move United. They have 200 member organizations. It's a Paralympic sport organization. Um, they do everything. I mean, you can do anything from like what you're doing with the skateboarding, triathlon. Skiing, kayaking, shooting, basketball, you name it. Um, again, it's moveunited.org. Okay, and I'll say adaptive to life, pain training, where do they go? Oh, now? Oh, whatever, whatever he needed in the eight months. Yeah, the, the basic, like, orientation and mobility training. It sounds like she needs, like, the, um, the technology, like, the, the independent life skills and all that. Division of Blind Services in every state. Or one of the centers for the blind. Yeah. Are they in Colorado, like, uh, Chicago, 